welcome to Ofric. My name's Allie. And my name's Lyra. And today we're going to be talking about the origins of the phase of going postal. So I already know you know what it kind of means, but for anybody who doesn't know what it means, going postal means becoming extremely and uncontrollably angry, often to the point of violence. The other little stipulation in this definition, which I didn't really know was a part of the definition, but then again, I only really spoke in like the 2000s, so makes sense. This is more of like a 90s phrase. Um, but the other part of the definition is that um, it, it the becoming extremely and uncontrollably, uncontrollably angry is supposed to be used in cases where people become that way in a workplace environment. So that's a big part of it. <clears throat> so... Since we're talking about the phrase, we're going to be talking about the USPS a little bit, but they're not really the biggest focal point here, and they're really not a big perpetrator in most of these cases. So between the years of 1986 and 1999, there were 15 homicide incidents by postal employees where there were 34 postal workers and six non-workers that were killed. Um, One of those... And you mentioned this beforehand. Uh, one of those was um, Sen- the Son of Sam shootings uh, enacted by David Berkowitz. Um, but that's a whole episode in itself, so I don't want to talk about that today. Like, that feels, like, way bigger. And I just want to talk about the phrase going postal. <laughs> well, did you see the, also the new documentary about how it was multiple people? Um, for Son of Sam? Mm-hmm. No. I don't really follow a lot of that. Maybe that will be an episode that you do because mm-hmm. I feel like you know more about it there's, than I do. There's just a conspiracy that it's more than one people that committed the all the, the shootings. shootings and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. we can get into it another day. Yeah. It's not for today. So I want to talk about um, one of the first and the one of the worst workplace incidents during this time period. Um, and that was... Uh, the incident that was perpetrated by 45 year old Patrick Sherrill and resulted in the Edmond post office shooting that took place in Edmond, Oklahoma on August 20th, 1986. So we're going to talk about Patrick a little bit. He's a weirdo. That's, that's the main point of this. So Patrick was a relief carrier for the USPS, uh, which meant that he would work alternate routes on different days. And that basically meant that he was on, wasn't really high on senior on the seniority list, so he was not given a permanent route, and he had less stability, didn't have all the benefits that his other colleagues would have. So he's kind of just like a backup. He's on standby. So Patrick formerly, formerly served in the U.S. Marines. He was honorably discharged. And after serving in the Marines, he was an active participant in the Oklahoma Air National Guard as a member of the pistol team. The sports team, basically, for the for, <laughs> for the guard. Say, <laughs> um, but it was noted that he was an excellent marksman as well. So terrifying. Um, prior to joining the military, he couldn't really hold a steady job until um, he joined the military. And after the fact, he still kind of was having a little bit of trouble, um, kind of holding down a job until he joined the USPS. Um, but obviously, that was still unstable because he wasn't a a permanent full-time worker for the USPS. 
So his work performance at the Postal Service varied on who was asked, but more often than not, he was described pretty negatively. So some people said that he was erratic and irritable and was a socially inept loner. Same. Um, so coworkers would say that he made snide remarks. Sometimes he would just avoid them outright. He was rude to customers, and in one instance, he had actually maced a dog that was safely behind a fence at a house where he was delivering mail at, which that in itself just tells me I don't like this guy, and I feel like there's a lot of things going on in his head that may not be okay. Like, he's not okay. Yeah. Um, But basically, all these things kind of, like, resulted in him being talked to by management because, obviously can't be nasty to your coworkers because they're going to tell manager they're going to say i don't feel comfortable around this guy your customers people can complain to the usps if you're a shit uh mailman uh and obviously that dog can't complain but the owners definitely can complain and say like hey that was really uncalled for um obviously they they didn't have cameras back then to like corroborate the story but i'm pretty sure that you know a government agency would have taken the um, side of the customer, the person whose house they're at over the mailman. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a sort of dignity that you're supposed to hold as a government employee. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about other things to note about him. Um, one other thing is that he was known as Crazy Pat by his neighbors. Again, huge red flag on that one. Um, in Oklahoma City, where he was growing up, neighbors reported that he would wander around and peer into their windows. Um, he would make inappropriate and obscene phone calls. And here's another tell sign. So if the dog thing wasn't a big tip-off, uh, it was also reported by his neighbors that he was seen torturing animals. So he would tie up stray cats and dogs in his backyard, and uh, it would be they would be tied up with bailing wire. Um, yeah, What's I think, bailing wire? you know, like hay bales, oh. yeah, the, the wires that go around them oh, okay. <laughs> to hold them in place. So they're obviously strong. Yes. Um, I couldn't see if there was anything else that he did, but I mean, if he's just tying up animals and with a really strong wire, um, like, that's a huge, big red flag. We already know that's a huge, big red flag. Um, another thing to note about like how he was uh, seen to be peering into windows there he had one neighbor that reported that um he would be looking into her window and just watching her and her husband in the living room and it was later reported that he also had a telescope that was pointed towards the living room window and he would just watch yeah. through there yeah which i mean it, it's kind of a strange place to point your telescope to you'd think it'd be to the bedroom so you could see something a little bit more like risque but apparently he didn't really care about like actually looking at people doing those things he just kind of wanted to watch people i was say maybe he got off on just watching people live their daily lives boy how do you do i which he should have just played the sims it's 1986 the sims didn't exist yet True. i wonder if some city existed though i don't think so 90s, right? Mm. Yeah, that's how I get my fix. Yeah. Just playing The Sims. Or, you know, watching um, K-dramas. The slice of life dramas? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you seen the one where the, gar- the girl... The girl... The uh, girl... The girl has to touch the butt. 
no <laughs> but now i'm interested send me that I one when we're done recording this it's so good um when another thing to note is that a past female co-worker refused to be alone with him and said that the way he sta- stared at her made her feel naked and that he looked like someone who peeped in windows and molested little kids which i mean he was she was right about the first part i don't think there was anything ever to corroborate the second part i think it was just the vibe she got from him What's he look like? A man. <laughs> I'm going to Google him. What's his name? Um, why can I not remember his name and I'm talking about him? Patrick Sherrill. It's like Cheryl. Two R's, two L's now. Ew. He bald. I thought you were going to say he was balling. <laughs> he balling. No, he's not balling. He's bald. Okay. He got the creepy mustache. Yeah. I mean, he's not a looker in my opinion. And obviously I wasn't around him, but this was the vibe that like everybody was kind of getting from him. So his behavior also seemed to escalate after the death of his mother, uh, where he isolated himself further and just became overall more unstable. At this point, he was filling his house up with electronic equipment, guns, ammo, and just military magazines. I think porn, too. I mean, there's nothing wrong with porn. There's nothing wrong with looking at porn. Follow my OnlyFans. I don't have one. Follow mine, too. You don't have have one? one. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You don't have one. (laughs) I would be following it. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, like, looking at porn. There's nothing wrong with looking at military magazines. Um, but to get it, no, I'm just <laughs> that's wrong. Uh, I mean, the amount that he was collecting was kind of crazy. It was basically becoming his whole life just guns, ammo, military. It's the porn. obsessive part exactly that becomes concerning, exactly. Which I mean, again, it, it I can only see it being exacerbated by the fact that he just lost his mother, which she was really his only point of contact with like people. He was again. A, very lonely man. He didn't make friends. I don't think he ever had a girlfriend either. And he was never married. So his mom was literally like his only social contact point. He wasn't gay. He was not gay. Yeah. At least by the porno magazines. He I had it. He's not gay. Even like hidden or anything like that. No. Like <clears throat> he's just a lonely guy. Kind of. I don't know if that's by choice or if he just felt very alienated. But, I mean, considering he was watching people, I feel like he just didn't feel like he fit in and had a better time, like, just looking at how people interacted. I wonder if that's why he watched people was to be like, oh, this is how I should. If I find a girl cute, like, I feel like that's so confusing, though. Like, he's watching people, but then he's acting in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he's not trying to actually acted out i think he's just fascinated or even interested in people in that way much in the same way that like we were saying we like playing the sims to just you know weirdly watch life going on um but here's kind of like the flip side of this there were some people that said he was a good worker and that management was just getting on his back over everything so I'm more inclined to believe that he was not the best worker and potentially some of the people who were saying this just didn't interact with him too much and just saw that he, you know, he did his job. 
Um, and maybe management was being a little too hard on everybody. And because, yeah, Patrick was (laughs) a little bit strange and maybe they picked on him a little bit more. Regardless, um, I'm sure we've all been in that situation where you have a manager that just kind of nitpicks everything that you do. It makes you crappy. It makes you miserable at work. I know about that. Yeah. I know I did that to you all the time (laughs) when I was your manager. No, you're actually a good manager. I did not care. (laughs) I'll never forget, though, you you yelled at me once for talking too much. (laughs) Don't remember that. It's because I was standing there next to the oven when we were working. And I was talking, I forget who I was talking to. And you were across the room. And you're like, Allie, if you're talking, you should be working at the same time. (laughs) Don't just stand there. I think I remember this. (laughs) You can talk. Just make sure your hands are moving. Yeah. And I was like, okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Don't be. I'm a little sorry. Yell at me. I don't like yelling at people. (laughs) This is why I didn't want to be a manager. (laughs) But, you know, we've all had that manager. Like, you know, it's just overcritical of everything that you do and it's it just makes your whole like work experience terrible and you just start thinking like maybe i should just quit maybe i should just leave and it's just because of them everything else is like decently okay until they get involved what makes it worse is that um for patrick at least is that he would constantly be reprimanded by his supervisors Mm -hmm. so it's actually being documented. It's being shown on his work performance, which, you know, will affect, you know, his salary, his possibility of being promoted to full time, to having better roots, all that stuff. Um, and on August 19th, 1986, Patrick's supervisors once again reprimanded him um, for his behavior. So, again, it could be anything just making his coworkers uncomfortable. Um potentially being rude to customers, all that stuff. I I think there was, like, one source that said it was because he was making female co-workers feel uncomfortable. But I didn't see, like, an actual definitive, like, report of what that reprimand was on August 19th. They couldn't have fired him by this point, at this point, if there was enough. Um, so that's where it gets kind of tricky. So the USPS is a union, and I don't believe you can fire people. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if, like, it complicates it. Um, or made it more okay if like Pat, because Patrick was not like a full time employee, but technically I don't think you can fire any USPS postal worker. Um, but yeah, August nineteenth, he got that reprimand, uh, and during this meeting, Patrick did threaten revenge out of anger, and he was going to make true on that promise because this was the straw that kind of broke the camel's back for Peter. Peter. Patrick. (laughs) Who the hell is Peter? You know Peter. Patrick. I'm sorry. It was for Patrick. Um, So the next day he reported in for work, but his mailbag was already full when he arrived at about 7 a.m. His bag is full of three semi-automatic pistols and loads of ammo. Shortly after he arrived, he made his way to Richard Esser Jr.'s office. He was one of the supervisors that had talked to him the day previous, and he shot him. And Richard instantly died. He intended to go after the other supervisor, who was Bill Bland, but in a stroke of luck, he was actually not at the office yet. So on this day, Bill Bland had overslept and was an hour late to work. And by the time he arrived to work, everything was over. Um, The unfortunate thing is that 
had Bill been there or had he not been there, Patrick was going to continue on his rampage. So he then directed his rage onto another co-worker that went to Richard um, to ask for time off. That would be his uh, a full-time worker by the name of Paul Michael Rockney. And uh, sadly, that was not the end of um, when Patrick was going to stop. So he proceeded to go and gun down any people that were fleeing while he locked the exits and made his way through the building to find others that may have hidden. So he basically, she's a supervisor. She's the next person that comes into his um, office, leaves, and then shoots people as he's trying to, uh, trying to close all the exits. And after he closes those, he makes another sweep around to see if he can find more people to shoot. Essentially, he was finding every single employee that was working at this office complicit in, like, every wrongdoing that was made against him. Mm-hmm. So, in total, he would end up killing 14 people and injuring six others out of the 100 workers that were in the building. And just as a reminder, during that period from 1986 to 1999, there were 34 who were killed during this time period. Mm -hmm. So, he fills up about a third of that quota. About. Yeah. Um, After about an hour and a half, so at 8.38 a.m., the SWAT team infiltrated the building, but at this point, Patrick Sherrill knew that um, the police were coming in, so he retreated back to Richard Esser's office and shot himself in the head. So, there was no closure on why he did it. It's just, we know the things leading up to it, a couple of things that people said about this, and what happened. This is why I don't like working. <laughs> Because this next part just uh, it horrifies me on like a different level, mm-hmm. not on like the same level as like being gunned down. Um, but the USPS, you know, it's supposed to operate under any circumstances, rain or shine. You're supposed to continue to deliver mail. So the next day, workers still had to go to work and found that the building had been completely cleaned up as if nothing happened. The floors and walls were all cleaned, and any bullet holes had been patched. The only thing that indicated that something had happened was that there was empty desks for the victims, as well as the flowers that were placed outside of the building by the community who had heard about the incident. Mm-hmm. So again, it's it, this is why I'm saying, like, I, oh, God, I hate working. It's this whole, like, notion of, like, life just has to keep going on in the face of something so tragic. I know in a perfect world, I would say everybody needs to take the time off and just like recover and everything, but it's the USPS, people need their mail, and it's, you know, it needs to keep going on. I'm, I understand where they're coming from, but like, holy shit, imagine having to walk back into a building where you could have been shot, but you somehow survived. Well, they could have brought in, why didn't they try to bring in like employees from other, another facility? That's, yeah, that was my thought. It's just why not have, like, the next city's postal service, like, see if they're, like, temporary workers, like what Patrick Sherall was, come in, take over the routes for, like, a couple of days, um, just while everything kind of cooled down and people were able to kind of, like, come to terms with everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they, they didn't do that. They just cleaned everything up, patched everything up, and said, keep going. I also can't imagine, like, how Bill Bland probably felt. One, coming in an hour after seeing that, like, there's a shooting going on, 
he could have been potentially in there and most likely again because like we we know that he was one of the biggest targets along with uh richard esser having that like survivor's guilt of like it could have been me it should have been me and maybe other people like wouldn't have died which i don't think it would have turned out that way considering um patrick was seeing everybody as like super complicit with everything Mm -hmm. um to kind of tie this up um the victims of the shooting have been memorialized um by the Edmond community and the USPS who pulled money together to uh, build a fountain with a bronze statue of a man and a woman holding a ribbon uh, in the center of the fountain. The fountain itself has 14 jets representing the victims and the victims' names are also on a plaque on the statue. Um, The community of Edmond still holds in-person memorials to commemorate the victims as well. Um, I believe the 25th and the 30th anniversary were the biggest turnouts. So that was in 2011 and 2016, I believe. Again, important to remember all the victims. All right. I kind of had to shake it out. (laughs) I'm feeling sad. It is very sad. Yeah. So following the incident, there were several more workplace incidents that had about the same MO for the perpetrators. Most of these people would be described as tense, angry, odd, and overall disgruntled employees that had issues with management. Um, A lot of these perpetrators uh, would express unfair treatment by the USPS. And I just want to emphasize that that seems to be the biggest thing in these cases is Yes, these people may have not been in the right headspace, but the USPS at this point in time and the reason why a lot of them were, um, I guess, flipping out was because they were receiving unfair treatment. They were being um, singled out. I believe at this point, a lot of military personnel, I think it was like something like 43% of the USPS workers were ex-military who could have some mental health problems. Um, and a lot of people weren't being vetted for like the position. So there weren't any screenings. Um, a lot of the employees were also picked from pools where these empl- these employees were having a hard time finding a job. So because of their past records. So it seemed like there were a lot of, you know, problems that showed that their employees may not been the mo- not may not have been the most stable. Um, But it was exasperated by the fact that the USPS was a very broken system at the time that treated everybody unfairly, overworked them, overworked managers. Basically, everybody was just unhappy. They were all disgruntled. And it just took bringing the camels back on one person to, like, have everything explode out like this. I'm sure people hearing about, like, all these incidents gives them an idea of, like, I could do that, too, if they're not mentally stable. But yeah, speaking of hearing about it, it brings me to the first known publication of the term going postal during this period. So the term was used in the St. Petersburg Times on December 17, 1993. Carl Vick wrote in his article titled Violence at Work Tied to Loss of Esteem that the symposium was sponsored by the U.S. Postal Service, which has seen so many outbursts that in some circles, excessive stress is known as going postal. So again, it leads back to not having a very great work environment led to people just snapping all the time. Later the same month, the Los Angeles Times published an article, 
the year in review 1993, where they stated, unlike the more deadly mass shootings around the nation, which have lent a new term to the language, referring to shooting of the office as going postal. So these were some of the first instances, both in the same month in 1993. Uh, it's not really known who was the first to say this, but what was clear was that going postal was now synonymous with the deadly workplace violence and the stereo- stereotype or archetype, the joke, I guess, of the disgruntled postal worker that snaps and goes on a shooting spree. Mm-hmm. So a couple of examples. Let's talk about them. 1995's Jumanji, where Van Pelt, the character, purchases a rifle at the gun store and the clerk asks him, you're not a postal worker, are you? Brooklyn Nine-Nine also had a scene where a U.S. Postal Inspection Service agent insists to the team that the term going postal refers to bringing goodness into people's lives, showing that he doesn't really know um, what that quote unquote joke means. I've watched that show. <laughs> I've never watched there. it, but it's uh, it, it feels very in line with uh, what I've heard about the show. Um, in The Simpsons, and I think this is a double whammy, I'll explain it in a second. Um, Ned Flanders has a dream that he climbed a tower with a sniper rifle and started shooting while a postal worker below pulled out a machine gun and shot back. So I think this one is a reference to, again, the phrase as well as the Texas Tower shooting in 1966 that was enacted by Charles Whitman. Mm -hmm. So it's The Simpsons. Of course, you're going to have that. Um, This one I vaguely remembered, and then it, like, popped up when I was, like, doing some research, doing this research. Um, Rocco's Modern Life. I think we already know, like, there was a lot of adult humor in that show. Yes. All all those shows. Yeah. (laughs) The old uh, Nickelodeon cartoons just fucking wild. Um, But... This is in reference to, um, so Rocco is taking the bus and there's also a mailman on there and he's ranting on the bus about being laid off and feeling dot, 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 disgruntled, how it's executed, (laughs) Um, which prompts all the passengers to run off the bus. And then it cuts back to the mailman just saying he wanted space on the bus. So he knew exactly what he was doing. Um. Again, like that one I just vaguely remember, and you don't really realize about how like bad the phrase is either. No. Um, the last two ones that I'm gonna talk about is controversial video games. So there's a game just called Postal, which is not supposed to be taken as a joke. It's more of a really morbid interpretation of the fa- uh, the actual phrase. Um that's supposed to be similar to like the origin of just shooting. So the game puts the player to take on the role of an insane mass murderer. So we already got some points off there. And your only goal is, isn't just to make it to the next level. So like not just shooting people and getting across to the finish line. But the goal is that you have to kill a number of armed NPCs in the game. So let's say it's 50% of the NPCs on the first level. Mm Mm-hmm. After that point, you're able to progress to the next level. The crazy thing about that is if you, let's say, kill those fif- the 50% that you're supposed to and your character dies on the way to the, like, the finish line, to the next level or whatever. I've never played it, so I don't know exactly how you get there. But if your character dies after completing the 50% goal, 
you still can progress onto the next level. Okay. So it's purely you need to kill people and that's it. Um, but again, I've never really played it, so I don't want to go too in depth on this. I just grabbed a couple of things that I saw off like the wiki website because I'm not going to go too in depth on this. I don't care about this game. It makes me feel icky. Um, but I can tell you there are four games in this series. Um, the first one was released in 1997. So while these shooting sprees were still very much prominent and the latest installment was released in 2022. So super recent. Um, the other thing is that in the original game, the ending, uh, the original game's ending, the main character attempts to massacre an elementary school, but the kids are not affected by uh, gunfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, in light of recent events with the amount of school shootings that happen, you can kind of put together why that's really bad. Yeah. Um, so the creators of the series actually made a re-release called Postal Redux, where there was an alternate ending that didn't involve that. Um, and it's no surprise that, I mean, it's a game that's just about mindless violence and it, your only goal is to kill. So it's banned in a lot of countries. I believe it's fully banned in New Zealand and Germany who have very strict uh, laws on like games and violence in them. Um, but it's also been banned or temporarily banned in other countries like France, Sweden, Australia, and Malaysia. And I know Australia has really strict laws too, so I'm surprised about that one. Um, and the last game I'm going to talk about here is going to be the canceled video game Thrill Kill, which was a fighting game, kind of like Mortal Kombat. Um, you could play up to four players or you can just be single player story mode. Um, the characters in it, they're basically like people who are condemned to go to hell. I don't know if they were in hell or they're supposed to go there. Um, but they basically got to battle each other for some kind of prize. I don't know what's the whole objective with that is. Uh, one of the characters in the game is called Mammoth, who was a postal employee that went postal after he got fired. Um, I could have sworn that there was, like, actually a myth around this where, like, there was an actual postal employee that, like, shoved or, like, tried to mail out a person's body or something. But apparently I was just remembering the scene from this game specifically or I had it somewhere down the grapevine, like, somebody communicated to me and I thought it was real. Um, But in this game, uh, the ending, like, little scene for Mammoth is that he grabs a little old lady after he like bursts out of um his mail truck. Mm-hmm. He grabs a little old lady that's nearby and she's going to go put in mail in the mailbox, like those blue mailboxes. The screen cuts to black after he had shown that like he's going for her. And then after that, they show a mangled mailbox with blood dripping down it because it's spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah. Those are examples of things that have happened in media that kind of really make light of the phrase going postal. Yeah. That still really emphasize the fact that it's dark, that, you know, somebody's going to go absolutely like apeshit, but they make fun of it and they try to make light of it. And yeah, I don't know. We don't really use it. I don't think we even used it a lot in like the early 2000s. I I never heard heard it. I heard it used 
worked at all recently. I mean, I don't think anybody uses it now with, you know, Gen Z and everything and their TikToks and their Charlie D'Amelio. But even in like anymore, she's not hot anymore. I think people are giving her a lot of flack now. Um, As they should. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, even in the early 2000s, I don't think I ever heard about like the phrase like or actually heard somebody using the phrase normally. I just heard about it and kind of knew about the meaning. I just knew about it because I would read about David Berkowitz. So you knew it because of the son of Sam. Mm hmm. Yeah, other than that, never That's read it anywhere else. Yeah, I my only uh, tell for it was literally media. So like Jumanji, Rocco's Modern Life was the one that really stuck out for me. Um, and then Thrill Kill was another big one because I had a slight fascination with it. The graphics in that game are so bad. I looked it up because I was like, that sounds familiar. It's not familiar. It's not familiar. It's. I don't. I think it's like on one of those like obscure video games, um, like lists or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what I got for you for postal uh, or going postal. Really dark history on why it was made, why it was used. We continue to make light of it. I mean, I don't, but sheesh, media just likes to use that. Um, I don't know. I don't think we should use the phrase. I mean, it's not in defense of the USPS, which every single mailman that I've ever met is a treat. I don't know what it is about that organization. I don't know how they're doing internally. I think you'd have to talk to more people to see if there's more reforms that need to be made to like improve working conditions. But yeah, let's not use the phrase. It's kind of weird. Nope. Yeah, that's all I got for you. Well, thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. Thanks Thank for having you. me. I'm leaving. Bye. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll see you next time. You Bye. can find us on YouTube and Instagram at Ofric Podcast. So, yeah. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.